While lymphoma can sometimes be difficult to treat, therapeutic updates and clinical developments could lead to tailored treatment and improve outcomes. Welcome to Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Jacob Sands, and here to share current treatment updates in lymphoma is Dr. Joseph Toscano, physician and professor of hematology and oncology at UC Davis Comprehensive Cancer Center. Dr. Toscano, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, you're welcome. Happy to be here. Let's begin by taking a look at indolent lymphoma. Can you tell us about some of the newest targeted agents? So there's a lot going on in all of lymphoma, particularly in indolent lymphoma. Indolent lymphoma really is comprised of a number of different histologies, including the most common follicular lymphoma, marginal zone lymphoma, small lymphocytic, which is the lymphomatous counterpart of CLL, and lymphoplasmacytic lymphoma. At least those are the most common. Now, it used to be that clinical trials would encompass all of indolent lymphomas in those trials. And now we're really starting to do trials that really target those specific subsets of indolent lymphomas. I'll focus on molecular lymphoma and marginal zones, since those are the most common, and there is a lot happening there. I think that right now, still the standard of care for the initial management of indolent lymphomas is bendamustine rituximab. I mean, that's based on two trials, the STILL trial by Rommel et al. and the BRIGHT trial by Finn et al. And those showed progression-free survival benefit and a lot less toxicity for bendamustine rituximab. Now, we still use a lot of single-agent rituximab for those that are infirm or do not want chemotherapy as initial therapy, but not that often anymore. But in terms of patients with relapse disease, there are a lot of targeted agents. And probably in first relapse, the most common regimen that's used these days is lenalidomide and rituximab. And that was based actually on some data here at UC Davis over 15 years ago. We saw dramatic responses, even in patients that were rituximab refractory, with an overall response rate around 78% and about 50% complete remission rates. Subsequently, there was a large randomized trial called the AUGMENT trial, and that was published by John Leonard in the Journal of Clinical Oncology. And in that trial, they compared lenalidomide rituximab to rituximab as a single agent, and there was a big advantage for lenalidomide rituximab. So that's really become the standard of care in terms of relapse disease. Now, in terms of third line, it's a pretty crowded space, but I'd say the majority of patients will be treated with either a PI3 kinase inhibitor or EZH2 inhibitor. So in terms of what to use in that third line setting, currently there are at least four PI3 kinase inhibitors that are FDA approved in that setting. So I think it can be challenging for the practitioner to decide which PI3 kinase inhibitor should I use, or should I use the EZH2 inhibitor, temazostat. So that can be a little bit challenging. So you've mentioned various newer drugs, albeit over the last 15 years. How would you compare those to prior standard chemotherapy, sequencing, and then CAR-T therapy? That's another challenging question, primarily because there aren't a lot of clinical trials comparing those two. In fact, most of the trials that led to the FDA approval of the PI3 kinase inhibitors and the EZH inhibitor, Mesosat, were based on phase two trials. So it's difficult to know which is superior. I think that most practitioners or lymphoma specialists, well, they'll look at the patient profile. 
their comorbidities and try and, and make a choice depending on their comorbidities in terms of the, the relapse. Rarely in the relapse setting will we use chemotherapy any longer. We'll really reserve that for patients that have failed the targeted agent, that have failed lenalidomide, that have failed the PI3 kinase inhibitor and failed temazostat. And then we'll potentially go back to the older chemotherapeutic drugs because they're a lot more toxic. In terms of CAR T-cell therapy, now that is a challenging one. There was recently a trial called the Zuma 5 trial, and that looked at axicapatagene or axicell is what we like to call it. Axicell is FDA approved for the treatment of diffuse large B-cell lymphoma and was recently FDA approved for the treatment of relapsed follicular lymphoma. And the Zuma 5 trial showed a very impressive overall response rate of greater than 92% and a CR rate of over 70%. And at the, the last follow-up, the median progression-free or overall survival had not been reached. So it's very, very effective. The data for aggressive lymphomas and acute leukemia is very impressive, but with long-term survivals of anywhere from 35 to the low 40% range in patients that had failed very aggressive regimens. So they may be cured, but we do need longer follow-up. So we're hopeful that the same will be true with AxiCell for follicular lymphoma. What we call the lymphodepleting chemotherapeutic regimen that we use to treat patients with CAR T cells is a combination of cytoxan and fludarabine. And those are very effective drugs for the treatment of indolent lymphoma. It can produce durable remissions, particularly in patients that have not been exposed to cytoxan or fludarabine. And the vast majority of patients have not because they all received these targeted agents initially. So I think it's promising, but there are selected patients with follicular lymphoma that you should consider consider for CAR T-cell therapy. And those are patients that are highly refractory to initial therapy. And we do subcategorize those patients into a group called POD24. And those are patients that have relapsed within 24 months of receiving CHOP, which we rarely use anymore, or bendamustine rituximab, because those patients have a very poor overall survival. So that's one patient population that we would maybe consider it after they failed at least two lines of therapy, and that's the FDA approval requirement. Or patients that have failed a number of regimens that relapse very quickly after targeted agents and chemotherapy. Those are the patients that you would consider for AxiCell or CAR T-cell therapy with follicular lymphoma. So you mentioned aggressive lymphoma. Let's transition now to focus on that. The FDA recently approved four new agents for this type of lymphoma. What can you tell us about them? There's really some interesting agents for aggressive lymphoma, and those include an antibody drug conjugate, and that's called polituzumab. Polituzumab uh, targets CD79B, which is a counter-receptor for the B-cell receptor. And as a single agent with rituximab produced response rates around 40 to 50%. When it was combined with bendamustine, the response rates were better than that. And there was a large randomized trial that compared bendamustine and rituximab to Polituzumab, bendamustine rituximab, and there was a big overall survival benefit and response rate benefit. So that became FDA approved. And so we use that pretty frequently in patients with relapse disease. It's pretty well tolerated. It's a very effective regimen, very well tolerated because it's a lower dose of bendamustine with the polituzumab and rituximab. It does have some neurotox because it uses the same MMAE, monomethyl aristatin E, that's used for brentuximab that's FDA approved for Hodgkin's lymphoma. So one of the other ones is called Blanca-Estuximab, a CD19-targeted antibody drug conjugate, kind of similar to brentuximab, similar to polituzumab, but really uses a different toxin. It's called the PBD, and it's a very, very potent alkylator. Looked at in patients with highly refractory diffuse RGB cell. Overall response rate was 48%. 
and the CR rate was 24%, some of those being durable. And that was FDA approved recently as a single agent. The other agent is called tafacitimab. And tafacitimab, this is also CD19 targeted, but this is an engineered antibody. And what we mean by that is it's an antibody that's been engineered at both ends, at the FAB or the antigen binding domain or the variable segments have been engineered to increase affinity for CD19. Then the FC portion has been modified as well to increase affinity for the FC receptor. So not only potentially do you get better direct killing effects or apoptotic effects, but you get better recruitment of host immune effector mechanisms. So based on that, they combined it with lenalidomide. The last agent I wanted to mention is selenexor. And this is a completely different, actually a new class of compounds. It's called a nuclear export inhibitor, XPO or exportin is the name of the protein inhibitor. So it modulates the export of proteins from the nucleus. And we know that that's dysfunctional. And that actually causes dysregulation of the apoptotic regulators, something that I have developed an interest in. And so Selenexor is FDA approved for multiple myeloma, but also recently FDA approved for relapsed diffuse arch B cell lymphoma. And the SADAL trial that was presented in ASH and has been published now looks at Selenexor again in heavily pretreated diffuse arch B cell patients. And in those patients, they found an overall response rate of really about 28% and a CR rate of 13%. And so that might not seem like that high, but it is an oral agent. It's moderately toxic, has some myelosuppressive effects, and it can cause diarrhea as well. But those patients that responded, even those patients that just had stable disease, and that's closer to about over 40% of patients, had very durable remissions. For those just tuning in, you're listening to Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Jacob Sands, and I'm speaking with Dr. Joseph Toscano on current treatment updates in lymphoma. Dr. Toscano, going back a bit, let's take a look at CAR-T therapy for lymphoma. How does this type of immunotherapy compare to autologous stem cell transplant? That's a really good question. So there are three CAR-T cell products approved for relapsed diffuse RHB cell lymphoma that have failed at least two prior regimens. And that is axicaptogene, the one I already mentioned for follicular lymphoma. The other one is tisagen lecucel, and the other one is lysocaptogene. And so those three CAR T-cell products are all FDA approved for relapse diffuse arch B-cell lymphoma. The most notable trial that people look to is the Zuma-1 trial. That was the first one that was published. And that produced an overall response rate of 82% with over 50% of patients achieving a complete response. And I already mentioned the fact that Many of those responses are durable, upwards of higher 30s, low 40% are disease-free about 18 to 24 months after treatment. So very, very effective and maybe curative in some of those patients. So that's very, very exciting. Now, when somebody fails induction therapy for diffuse RHB cell, the standard for chemosensitive eligible patient is salvage therapy. And those patients that respond to salvage therapy autotransplant. You can cure probably about 40% of patients with an autotransplant. So CAR-T, those patients that fail autotransplant, they can be salvaged with CAR-T cell therapy. So it's a nice sequence of events. But the nice thing about CAR-T is it's a little bit less toxic and it's getting much less toxic with time or We're learning how to manage the cytokine release syndromes to make it less toxic. So it's potentially something that more patients can receive, elderly patients, patients with other comorbidities. So right now, there's some trials comparing 
autotransplant with all the CAR T cell products, autotransplant to CAR T. And so we'll have the answer to that pretty soon. But I think that right now, autotransplant remains a standard for those patients that are candidates for autotransplant. Now, if you have a patient that may not be a good candidate because of comorbidities or is refractory to salvage therapy, those patients should be considered directly for CAR T-cell therapy. Because some of those patients, even with refractory disease, can be salvaged. And there's a study looking at elderly patients with comorbidities, and they can tolerate CAR T and have very good outcomes with CAR T-cell therapy as well. So it really expands it. Now, I'm a little nervous about replacing autotransplant with CAR T, primarily because CAR T provides a nice salvage option for patients that fail autotransplant. It's exciting to hear so many things going on in lymphoma. Dr. Toscano, do you have any final takeaways for our listeners? Okay, so in a nutshell, I think that for indolent lymphoma, the upfront regimen still bendamustine rituximab. I didn't mention, but there is good data for lenalidomide rituximab actually for upfront. It was actually compared to chemotherapy rituximab very effective. But the standard still is bendamustine rituximab, relapse disease, lenalidomide rituximab. When you fail, you have a number of choices that include various PI3 kinase inhibitors and EZH2 inhibitors. But I think it's important to consider clinical trials at every step. In terms of diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, RCHOP remains a standard, except for maybe double hit lymphomas, where it's probably our epoch. Look to ASH this year, maybe, to see an update, that'd be exciting if there's a change in the way we manage untreated diffuse large B cell in the relapse setting. I think it's salvage therapy and autotransplant for most patients and those that aren't eligible or that don't respond to salvage therapy, CAR T cell therapy. Those that fail autotransplant should be considered for CAR T cell therapy. And again, for aggressive lymphomas, please consider clinical trials because that's how we make progress. Well, we have covered a lot of ground, but that's all we have time for today. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Toscano, for joining me and sharing his insights on treatment developments in lymphoma. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. I'm Dr. Jacob Sands. To access this and other episodes in our series, visit reachmd.com slash projectoncology, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.